1: You just released your 26th album a few days ago. It's called Reality, yeah. and, and you'd mentioned that when you were starting out in the business, you couldn't possibly have imagined that you, know, you would have this length of a career, this kind of a career. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: I don't think any of us actually thought that we had any long-term kind of career in anything. I think the best thing we could have hoped for was four or five years of fun and uh, good shows and just making good music. but. I don't think it even occurred to us, looking at the old blues guys, that we would be around like they were obviously around. You know, those guys, already a lot of them were up in their 60s and 70s at that particular time when we were kids. But I don't think it ever occurred to us that we could possibly have the kinds of uh, longevity that they had.
1: Right, and it's turned into a little more than four or five years at this point, right?
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's now following the tradition of what those uh, other old guys were going through. You know, we're going to become the old guys. <laughs> it's like we are the first, uh, I say we, I, I, a little too inclusive, but I'm not that far out. I mean, Dylan, myself, and Neil, and uh, a bunch of others are kind of the first generation of rock that really kind of, really grew up with his audience and uh, and it's a new way of looking at rock you know
1: right uh, shortly before the release of the latest album reality you and the, the band did the New York City Marathon tour where you played one night in each of New York City's five boroughs yeah uh, was it sort of far out to be back on small club stages again
2: well we only did it for the food really I mean <laughs> <laughs> each place we went to had his own kind of cuisine you know there was uh, there was the snug the snug what was it called the Snug Bar in St. Dan's Um, and there was uh, Jimmy's Cafe in the Bronx and they all had their own kind of food and so that was really the
1: joy so it was basically just a traveling buffet, but you guys decided to play.
2: Just to people my band up a bit, you know, before they broke for Christmas, so they wouldn't go home looking thin.
1: <laughs> That's very considerate of you. <laughs> yeah. The first single release from reality is called New Killer Star. That's a song we've been playing here at the mountain, and it not only features a memorable line about seeing Jesus on Dateline, but you also have indicated that there's a bit of a a, a political bent to the song.
2: Well, I think more than anything else, it just highlights the uh, the still remaining stress and anxiety. That's felt in the city so long after the event. I mean, it's a couple of years now, but still nothing. Well, it, it seemed a cliche at the time when pe- people would talk about things will never be the same again. Uh, you kind of hear that. You kind of hear that after any big tragic event, you know. But this time around, things have never quite got back to being the same as they were before. Here, it's, uh, there is a sense of anxiety in the city. Right. Uh, and I was trying to pick up maybe on some of that in the song.
1: Um, given that you've been doing this for as long as you have, David, is it what, what keeps you vibrant, vibrant and evolving as an artist, and is there some sort of special secret we should all know, or is it...
2: You're not asking me, what makes you a tick, Dave? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I think it's because I'm such, I'm a real fan of music, I mean, it's, uh, it's something that's just, uh, gnawed at me all my life, it's, it's what I live for, is writing and playing music, um. The interest alone, and my curiosity about it, my enthusiasm for it—I think—drives me as much as anything else. You know.
1: Can you imagine what you might be doing if you ha- if you hadn't chosen, you know, music as a profession as well as a hobby?
2: You know what? I don't think it would have mattered if I hadn't have been able to play music and perform it. It wouldn't
1: have mattered what I'd done.
2: Hmm. It just, it just wouldn't. Things wouldn't have been right for me.
1: You know, I have a, I have a rock legend question for you that a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people ask me about. The, the legend says that you changed your name from David Jones to David Bowie, in, yeah, in part to uh, avoid confusion with none other than Davy Jones of the Monkees fame. Is is that true?
2: That's absolutely right. I mean, I'd been on the little. Uh, I mean, I, when there's a little R and B circuit in the clubs around London, you know, that we all used to play on the R and R- B circuit, like Eel Pie Island and the. Uh, uh, and the Kloops' clique and those kind of funny clubs and all that. But then this series started out in the States on television and with this kid called Davy Jones, and I was Davy Jones, and I thought, oh, no, we're going to... He's obviously going to be this big deal, you know, so I better kind of... Little me better change my name to something else. So <laughs> I did that. That's what I did. <laughs> and I changed I found myself an American name.
1: But, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's good. Name, was it uh, truly named after the Bowie Knife?
2: Yeah, I thought it it just felt like, because I was emphatically pro-anything American, the culture especially, you know, and the music, the clothes, a lot of things that came out of the States were, like, big in my life, you know, writers and stuff. And so I was looking for an Americanized kind of name, and Bowie was just, well, that couldn't
1: be more American than that, you know. It, and Davy Crockett was already taken, so. <laughs>
2: Davy Crockett, thank God. <laughs> I think it's Major Tom by Davy
1: Crockett. <laughs> yeah, that might have that might not have the right ring to it. It wouldn't have played well, would it? No. As long as we're on the fact or fiction thing, the other question I wanted to ask you on that topic is that when when you offered to work with Martha Hoople in the early 70s, yeah. uh, is it true that you offered them Suffragette City first, and then they, they they said, no, we don't want that song, and then you you said, all right, well, I have all the young dudes. You want that one?
2: Uh, you know what? I don't remember that that may be true, that may be true, but I didn't offer them all the young dudes, I actually wrote all the young dudes for them, it was very specific for them, but I do know that they turned, uh, after that, I said, well you'll be looking for a second single, so I, written, so I wrote another one for them, that was Drive-In Saturday, but uh, they didn't want that, Ian didn't want that, they wanted to start
1: writing their own stuff after that. They're a rather cheeky lot, obviously. Those guys in Montever. The They're just
2: uh, uh, Londoners. What do you want? <laughs> the irascible
1: the hoople Right, irascible. I wonder if you've laid out your plans for what you might tell your three-year-old when uh, when he or she inevitably sees, you know, the old concert footage of you in the Ziggy Stardust days. I mean,
2: yeah, I say, ask your brother.
1: <laughs> go, go call him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've done all that already so he knows the. He, he's got the news so he can uh he can just relay relay it to her i'm not gonna have to go through all that again that's why sisters have brothers older brothers
1: exactly and to protect them that exactly that's very important would you encourage any of your children to pursue a career in music? or, or Not if they wanted to be architects. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what do you you want to be an architect? You'll be a bloody musician. Right. It's the family trade. All that mincing around, putting up telephone exchanges. <laughs> you want to get your hands dirty and pick up a microphone.
1: Go out and put on a dress. Get down the music mines. <laughs> right. So you already mentioned that you're going to leave the big glass spider at home on this next tour, but I was wondering if you could tell us anything about a, about a Denver tour stop and about stopping by the tattered, the tattered Cover, maybe, to pick up some books.
2: You know what? We had such a... Bo- I mean, it wasn't long enough, because the show wasn't long enough, because it was like one of those big festival-y things. But when we came through on the Area 2 um, thing last year with Moby, we had such a wild time, such a great audience i mean denver was uh, so responsive to what myself and the band were doing you know right um we just can't wait to get back i mean it was it really was one of the enjoyable gigs on that little mini tour it was such fun i mean we had such a great time obviously you can tell during the day i mean we really got out and about and uh really enjoyed the town for what it is you know it was it was a good we really had a good time there
1: have you guys picked a date already for denver or is that still up in the air Denver is up in the air. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> yeah, it well, was significantly a mile up in the air, actually.
2: Yeah, I know. Yes. That was my pun. i tell you what. i tell you between you and me. I know for a fact we're playing Denver. All right. It's not on this list that I've been given here. But I do know because I insisted on it.
1: Well, that's great. That's very
2: cool. Um, I tell you what, anybody out there, com or something, is on my site. I'm sure it'll be on there.
1: David, earlier you mentioned Neil Young, you mentioned Bob Dylan, uh, as artists that have, have been around you know, and had a certain amount of career longevity. Are there are other artists in addition to those that you particularly admire and consider maybe contemporaries in that sense? Um, I, you know, frankly,
2: I think overall... Well, I've I got to put Lou Reed in there as well, you know, um, because Lou's... Uh, Lou's just always approached things from his own own uh, viewpoint and, and done things in his own, own very idiosyncratic way. And I think his new shows are also alarmingly adventurous when you look at some of the younger guys around. I mean, Lou and Neil are doing really extraordinary things, very brave kind of ways of approaching doing shows. Um, I just think it's great to have those guys around to show that, you know, how wide you can go um, as you as you become more and more experienced, I think is the
1: best way to put it. You once said, and this was a number of years ago, that the only way to create a movement is to totally destroy something and then build it up all over again, which was sort of a reference to the to the Dadaists.
2: <laughs> Did I say that?
1: Is that an idea that you you still relate to today?
2: Yeah, I mean it's such a, a founded principle, isn't it? I mean, you know, ay ay ay, the young will eat the old. <laughs>